Time to talk college football with Blaine Fowler, BYU football analyst and basketball analyst on BYU TV. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Blaine, good morning. What's going on, guys? I haven't talked to you forever, it seems like. I know, right? It's good to have you back on the show. It's good to be with you. So we are curious, BYU and all these Pac-12 games, have they got the roster to handle them? You think they're going 2-3, and 3-2? Three, three and two. What are you expecting? And, and, that, and just in that Pac-12 group, I, I don't know. I would say if I was going to pick between 2-3 and 3-2, three and three and I would say 3-2. and two. I, think, I think they're deeper than they've been in a long time, and that's what makes a difference when you play this type of a schedule because you're going to get some guys nicked up and – whether they're serious injuries or not, you have to be able to, to tap into that depth to be able to compete over the long haul when you're playing seven P5s in a season. I, I feel like Kalani finally, last year was probably the first year where I was comfortable that they had the depth to play the kinds of schedules they've been playing. And, and this year, even though they lost a number of guys to the NFL, they had a lot of players that have played a lot of downs and, and, uh, and they're deep at, at key positions. And, and positions where they haven't, typically been deep, like deep at corner. And that's not something we seem like we ever say about BYU, but really deep at corner and really deep at wide receiver, another position that's not traditionally one where you have a bunch of guys um, deep at running back. Literally, if if we look historically at BYU and we'd say, what three positions is BYU typically? they They sometimes have a really good guy, but they're usually not very deep. Those are the three that we would mention, and those are three of the deepest positions for BYU this season. So, yeah, I think I think they're in good shape. If they can get consistent quarterback play and whoever that guy is doesn't turn the ball over a bunch, um, I, I think they'll surprise some people this, this season. How much is that depth a product of Kalani being there a number of years and when you recruit LDS kids, obviously it takes a little longer with missions and all that. So this is something that he needed to get and got it just due to the nature of building depth at BYU takes a while. I, I think it's exact. I think it's exactly that. PK. It, it's it's Kalani came in and fundamentally from from an offensive philosophy standpoint and, and a little bit from a defensive side, they wanted to do some things differently. So they they had to almost start over with the type of player they were going to recruit, especially up front on both sides of the ball. And I, I'd point to the offensive line. Um, the kind of offense that Robert and I wanted to run and that, and that Bronco wanted to run was a lot of the RPO stuff, quarterback in the run game stuff. Um, the offensive line, they wanted to come off the ball, kind of zone block all the time, run pass option. And, and when Kwani came in, he said he wanted to return back to the old BYU roots. The, I, we can call it the West Coast offense. It is not exactly like the old West Coast offense, but a lot of elements of that. What Aaron Roderick's running now is really similar I mean, you can go back all the way to when I was playing, and, and a lot of the route combinations and things they're doing are the, the very same that, that Mike Holmgren was running and Norm Chow was running back in those days. To do that, to run that type of offense, you need longer pass blocking, you know, 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", even up to 6'8", type guys on that offensive line with long arms, um, very different type of player. And so they went out and they knew, and to your point, P.K., that if they're going to start over and kind of how they did that, they're going to recruit a bunch of guys. They were going to go off on missions. 
They were going to come back two years later. They were going to be somewhat useless their first year back as they got them back in shape. And it would be a four- or five-year deal before the, the, the guys that they recruited actually had experience and could contribute on the field. And we just saw that last year. And, and now what they've got is they've got juniors and some seniors that are in those leadership positions that have developed and are ready to go. And now they have the younger players that have come back from missions um, that are filling those spots. So, so now it's how it's supposed to be. And, and some places you could turn those, those things around in two or three years, but at BYU, as you guys know, it's, it's going to take four or five years to be able to do that. And I think that that's where Kalani is right now. So now that you get to that point, can they just keep it rolling? I mean, everybody has ups and downs, unless you're Alabama. And even they have little, their, their ups and downs are just smaller. But can they largely keep it rolling so that they don't have to endure the two steps back, two steps forward kind of stuff that frustrates fans who want to win all the time? Yeah, oh, I, I, I think they can. And, uh, you know, expectations have to be a little bit different when you're playing the kind of schedule they are. When, when I say keep it rolling, I'm not talking about the good old days when they played a couple of decent teams and a bunch of teams they could just beat even if they were, you know, nicked up. Um, and so – Back in those days, hey, on a good year, you had to go out and win 11 games, right? And then on your re- reload year, because back in the good old days for, for BYU, you didn't rebuild, you just reloaded, right? On a reload year, you might win nine, right? Well, well now, an unbelievably special year would be 10 wins. And, and in some years this year, if they went out and won nine games this year, I think we'd all think, wow, that was something. And we would have never said that nine wins was okay 15 years ago, right? So – the expectation has to be a little bit different, but but I think the expectation that they don't rebuild anymore should should be there now with the way they've got good players in every class and the and the success they've had recruiting the kind of player that they need to get. So so I don't think they have rebuild years anymore. I think he's in a position now where veterans can lead and play, younger guys that are very talented can learn the system, step in and it, and it should perpetuate itself so that they have reload years. I mean, Kyle, Kyle has the University of Utah to that point um, and, and in great shape. So when, when they have a down year, it's, it's not a down-to-the-basement year. It's, it's They're just not quite as good. Maybe they're not competing for a Pac-12 South championship that year, but they're one team off of that, right? And for BYU, I, I think that, that on a down year, we should expect them to win or a rebuild year, um, re- reload year, let's call it, they should still win seven or eight games in those years. And then on a great year, they win nine games. And, and on a very special year, you know, maybe they go get 10 or 11, depending on the schedule. This Built Bar thing that came out, a couple of things. I think it's genius by Built Bar. Get their name out there even more. They got untold amounts of publicity, so good for them. And then certainly for the walk-on players to have their – uh, financial commitments to the university taken care of with uh, the money and all that stuff is great. The thing that I took from it, rather than try to look at it individually, the best thing from the BYU's perspective is it sent a message. The timing was excellent in that it's a sort of a slow time in everyone's camps as we get closer to the season, but you know we're still a couple of weeks away, and the timing was excellent in that. I love the message that it sends to everybody out there as conferences are reevaluating what to do is that we are big time. This thing goes into effect a month and a half ago, and look what we did 
and they got tremendous publicity for it. So it sends the message to whatever conference, to whatever schools, whatever commissioners and university presidents, BYU is big time, and we can help you get to where you want to go. We're a worthy partner. I think that's the message, and that is the most important thing that I took from that after the announcement was made and I thought about it. Respond to that. I think you're right on the money. The the amount of publicity that that announcement got yesterday surprised me. Um, When I heard about it, I had talked talked with Kalani and and with my son Gavin, who's on on the coaching staff there, about it this last week, about what they were going to roll out. And and I just thought, wow, this is genius. And, And then I thought, it's not just genius, it's cutting edge. It's leading out in this NIL thing. And, it, and it's not Clemson saying we're going to pay our quarterbacks a million bucks and then who cares about anybody else? We'll figure that out. It's, it's BYU saying, hey, there's a right way to do this. And we've, been, and we've been anticipating this NIL thing coming for more than a year now. And we have things in place where we can take care of everybody and it can make a difference. And so th- that publicity alone yesterday, I mean, every single major um, Internet entity, um, you know, electronic media entity picked that story up and had nothing but praise for, for how BYU thought outside of the box and how they were going to do that. And so, so I think you're, you're exactly right. People go, look at BYU. They're leading out. They're big time. And even though they're an independent, they, they have a great grasp of this. This is going to be good for their program. They're, all of that, I think, is fantastic. And, and in the end, and that, that helps bring more people um, and, and businesses to partner with you because – uh, I mean, you, you just mentioned it. How much publicity? Uh, did Built Bar ever imagine they were going to get that type of publicity yesterday? That was probably way more than they ever imagined, right? And so other other businesses are going to go, you know what, this is a good business partner to sign up with. We're going to run it through the university. It, it's going to be good karma for you. It's going to be great publicity. And and then in the end, what it does for Kalani, it helps recruit, recruiting. And and we've all watched over the years. I, I was thinking I, I should put a list together just, just in the last 15 years of, of guys that BYU wanted, didn't quite have the scholarship numbers to get them. So they're, say they're just right number one or number two or number three right off the scholarship list. And they, they say to, to those kids, we want you to come as a preferred walk-on. But you got to pay the cost of your own education, and you can earn a scholarship, and these kids might be kids that grew up their whole life thinking they wanted to play at BYU, and they're good players, but in BYU's evaluation, it's just right there borderline, and they have to make some decisions based on scholarships. But those kids have offers other places, whether it's Utah State or Fresno State or wherever it might be, um, or Southern Utah for that matter, and then they end up going to those places, and they're all Americans, and they go play in the National Football League. There's a whole list of those kinds of guys. Um, well, now you don't have to miss on those guys. You, you, can, you can bring those guys and you can say, hey, listen, um, we're, you're, the, you're the next guy out, but we think you can play, but don't worry. We're going to cover the cost of your education just like we would if you're, you're – you're not even going to notice that you're not a scholarship kid. And so those next ten guys that have been going other places, um, they're going to get most of those guys to come to BYU now. And that makes your prep teams better. So your practice and preparation is much, much better. Your, your first teams that are going to go and play in games are better prepared, so that's a big deal. But you're going to find three or four diamonds in the rough out of those ten guys. They're going to rise to the top and, and play well. 
And BYU's been fortunate. They've had some phenomenal walk-ons that have come and, and made it big. I think back to you know, Chad Lewis is a name that we all know. There was a walk-on. Dennis Piddle was a walk-on for Pete's sakes. And, and that list goes on and on and on. Well, now you've got a chance to get a, a bigger group of those. You upgrade the talent on the, on the bottom end, which helps everybody and raises the level of the program. I, I think it's huge for, for multiple reasons. I, th- I think for a talent pool, for finding more talent, and you guys know as well as I do, three or four more good guys that you find make a huge difference. That, that's all it takes if you, to, to make the difference between being good and being really good in this game is three or four good guys that you can put out on the field. I think this will help BYU's talent pool, but it also helps them have a big-time field, just like you said, PK. It really does. So I'm curious as that message goes out, as someone who uh, goes back to the WAC days, let alone Mountain West and Independence, you've heard the debate rage on from BYU fans about where they want to land. What do you think of partnering up in the long one with the remaining eight? And uh, what do people around you think about that, if that's not the same as what you think? Well, I, I, if, the, if and you're talking about the remaining eight in the Big 12, and, yep. and uh, if, if you were certain that that Big 12, that the remaining eight were going to stay the remaining eight, and it was a long-term deal and everybody was committed and you weren't worried that Oklahoma State was going to run off someplace and – and, and broker a deal with, with someone else. With the, uh, with the right teams alongside of you, I think it would be very attractive for BYU. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking off the top of my head, you take, you take BYU and, and then some of the top teams in the AAC have been ranked in recent years. You go Houston, Memphis, Cincinnati, Central Florida, that type of a mix where you take that group in and maybe a Boise State. Boise State's always an interesting one because – in football, they're, they're certainly competitive, but their overall sports programs don't really stack up with the teams in those leagues like BYU's would, and, uh, uh, or Cincinnati's for that matter, Central Florida. And so uh, from a football perspective, that would make sense. So you go Boise State, BYU, Memphis, Houston, Cincinnati, and UCF, and that's a, that's a good league, guys, right there. That's a very competitive league. You can make a case that that's as good or better than the, than the Pac-12 has been in recent years. So I, I would think BYU would be crazy not to jump at something like that. And I haven't I've really talked to Tom and those guys about about those eventualities. I know Tom's been really busy talking to everyone. I, I And I've said this in the last couple of weeks to, to multiple folks. I don't know that the Pac-12 is out of the question anymore. Um, I, you know, I, think, I think the Pac-12, we, everybody kind of put that behind them and said, no, just culturally that's not a fit. Pac-12 doesn't want a school like BYU. But then – then the SEC in Texas and Oklahoma come and do this, and you've got a new commissioner in the Pac-12, and I think he has to look at everything. Because if the Pac-12 doesn't do something through this, they're going to fall further behind than they already are. And so, so now all of a sudden maybe you go, well, culturally it's not a great fit, but from an athletic perspective, we, you know, we as a league need to do something here. And, and I think the BYU might be considered, or if you asked me a year ago, I would have said there's zero chance I'm not saying this. I'm saying it's a long shot now, but I don't think that that conversation is completely out the door. So one of those two conferences, if, if the Pac-12 is trying to strengthen itself and there's a chance to get in there, you should absolutely take it. If if you are secure in the idea that all the rest that remain in the Big 12 are there and it's a long-term deal and they're going to bring some other quality programs with you, I think you jump at that as well. Um, and if it's if it's not one of those options. And the only option is, well, maybe you ought to join a, 
you know, go back into the Mountain West or go to go to the AAC. From a from a visibility and financial standpoint, that would still be a huge step backward, and I'm not sure that I that I love that idea. I, I think the other two, you know, with the Big Twelve leftovers and adding some, would probably be the the most um, beneficial to BYU at this point. I'd support it. Why would you say, Blaine, that the, you think that the Pac-12 is still a potential? Because it seemed like everybody thought that that was no way. Yeah, I, I think when because of the news that came out the last time when they chose not to expand and, and all this news behind the scenes came back that, well, it's, it's, it's culturally, it's not a great fit. It's not a great fit because they only want schools that have the same type of academic programs with medical schools and those kinds, kinds of things. Um, but that was before this huge disruption. And, and I, I think, I feel like the PAC 12, they fired Larry Scott. They've hired a new commissioner. I feel like even internally they understand that they've fallen behind in, in the last couple of years. And so when you've fallen behind and you're making dramatic changes, all of a sudden you rethink things and you go, okay, on the academic side, how important really is that for our athletic programs to have, have these other programs fit exactly academically and culturally with, with what we've got here? So I, I just think there, there has to be internal discussions there um, that, that may change it. Um, and as and as I said, PK, I don't I, I don't think that's a as likely as the as the what did you call him? Rema- remaining call him? eight. I didn't They're come up with that. Yeah. that. Did you come up with that? No, Is that your no. Deal? Other people oh, okay. have had that. I've read that. I haven't I haven't heard that term. So I I, I love that though. The remaining eight. So the, right now they're the R eight. That's the conference right now. <laughs> but um, but but joining the R eight, I think, is a is a much more likely scenario. But. But I do think that the Pac-12 has to have discussions. And if they're having discussions from a regional perspective and from an overall like BYU is the, without question, it's not even close, the best overall athletic program in the non-P5s. And better than most of, um, from the mid-level down, P5 programs in terms of overall athletics. And I heard David Shaw last week, they were talking about it. He says, yeah, I think we need to look at, I think we need to look at expansion. If we're looking at expansion, we need to look at overall sports programs across the board, not not just football. Um, and, and what he was describing in his press conference seemed to describe you know something where people would have to go, yeah, well, BYU is exactly what David Shaw is talking about. So, um, anyhow, I, I just think that it's not out of the question anymore. I still think that that would be a long shot, PK, but but uh, things are changing and. With this Texas Oklahoma thing has opened everybody's eyes. I mean, that was just kind of out of left field. And now everybody's going, "Whoa!" Now is this a big arms race? And and is everybody going to scramble uh, to to try to compete at this point? And I think the Pac-12 has got to at least take a look at some changes. I think it's even bigger than that, Blaine. But that's a conversation for another day. I think not only is the Pac-12 threatened, I think the Big Twelve, excuse me, the Big Ten has to be feeling a little threatened too. But We'll pick up yeah. on that another time. Yeah, we. we I'll, I'll come in studio and let's do a whole show. <laughs> yeah, on, all right. Because, let's because let, 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 let's talk super conferences. We could we could definitely speculate. We'll come do that one day. All right. Thanks, Blaine. We appreciate it. Right. Good to talk Thanks to you. Talk to you guys. See ya. All right, Blaine Fowler joining us. Former BYU quarterback. Now you see him on BYU TV. Call him BYU football and basketball games. Two things, man. It's not out of the question. And without a doubt, the best overall non-P5 athletic program? Something to be said for that, if you believe it's true.
Whether it's true or not, I don't think that's the best thing BYU has going for it. I think there's I think there's another uh The Cougarettes. I knew it. I knew another, you thought that. Nope. Uh, there's What's another wrong Trump with the Cougarettes? There's another is that what I'm thinking of. There's another Trump it's card. So pure. There's another <laughs> Trump card. You know me, I'm thinking about money. And I'll tell you, that cash cow that you awaits thought of Trump BYU. <laughs> the cash card that awaits BYU just over the horizon. We'll get to that next. Stay with us.